This is Entrepreneurs The Playbook, where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs The Playbook in the greatest stadium ever built, 5.5 billion dollars can buy you a lot, or at least a billion dollar screen. And here we have the billion dollar smile of an incredible actor. He's a philanthropist, producer, he's a musician, investor, he does it all. Welcome, Jesse Medcalf. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me, Dave. I had to have you on because when I see the modern day, uh, the, you're really the modern day Michelangelo, right? You're, you're, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. You literally can do everything. <laughs> and I believe that in order to do so much in so many different areas, uh, and people do this in business, you have to have a strong understanding of three things. Your own knowledge of who and what, your own skills, and of course your desires, because when people are clear on the knowledge, skills, and desires they have, they can apply it to all types of different industries, careers, and jobs. Does that hold true for you? And if so, how do you define your greatest skills, knowledge, and desire? Okay, well, I still feel like I'm building my knowledge uh, Which is and fair. honing my skills. Uh, the desire has always been there. I've always been incredibly ambitious. And I think that came from being bullied as yeah. a child. Uh, I think the spark of ambition, nine times out of 10, often comes from a negative. Uh, but I think that that type of ambition, uh, that need to prove oneself and to prove one's worth or value can only take you so far. And there is inherent, either genetically or energetically, a desire that you must be what you can be. It may be uh, evoked or somehow catalytically raised by people picking on you, or maybe you're just trying to live up to your parents' expectations, or maybe you're just trying to prove that you're better than your parents and not make the same mistakes mm. that they do. But I have found is a common denominator between Billionaires, millionaires, and entrepreneurs, celebrities and athletes and entertainers at the highest level worldwide, that every single one of them have a desire that they must be what they can be. Was that something before the bullying, after the bullying, and does it still hold true today? Yeah, I agree with you. I think that I think that's true across the board for most human beings. A desire to achieve what they were meant to achieve or be what they were meant to be. Um, you know, I, I'm still on that spiritual journey of discovering who I am and who I'm meant to be. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm still in process on that. Uh, but I think, yeah, there, there was a lot of, uh, you know, wanting to prove that I had, I was talented, you know, that I could make my creative aspirations a reality. And I think, you know, being picked on in grade school, middle school, a little bit even in high school, you know, not really being uh, popular, not really fitting in. I think that really propelled me when I got my first opportunity. And my first opportunity was I, I went to a, 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 a modeling, um, like like this modeling event where you could get a modeling agency, you yeah. know, and it was Did like- they handed it at the mall to you? Yeah, kind of, <laughs> it was that kind of situation. It, it was, was no like, Darren Prince or Dave Meltzer. Doing that. <laughs> it was that kind of situation for sure. I mean, it wasn't exactly, you know, super highbrow. But I ended up getting a New York City modeling agency, 
when I was like a sophomore in high school. And I started doing these trips back and forth from Connecticut to the city, you know, shooting for various, you know, teeny bopper magazines like 17 and ym did some like modeling campaigns went to went to milan for men's fashion week and as that was sort of gaining a little like momentum i thought well hey maybe maybe i could do some commercials maybe i could do a little acting and i pushed my modeling agency to to set me up with a theatrical agent and i ended up going on a couple auditions and and booking a soap opera booking a daytime television show dropped out of new york university tisch school of the arts after my junior year and I've been a working actor in L.A. ever since, 25 years now. And there's this gap that I talk about, and it's so prevalent, even in humble people, about, you know, I'm still on the journey of learning, of knowing, I'm still on the journey of finding out what my potential is. And, you know, the danger that exists today, especially with social media, is without the clarity in, in utilizing humility, especially in the professions as we list them out, actor, producer, musician, investor, and philanthropist, there has to be a lot of pressure to worry about what other people think instead of I am. Mm. Um, or number one, you still challenge by I am versus this is what other people, I want other people to think I am. Or are you just spending minutes and moments when the rejection and the bullying and the I think I ams are out there? Okay, well, I think, you know, the motivation that I, that I gained from my adolescent rejections have sort of run its course, you know? I, that, that, that engine has run Burned out of out. gas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and now, now, there is a lot of pressure, I would say, within the entertainment industry to keep creating and keep your name out there and to stay, quote-unquote, relevant. Um, but I think I've reached a point in my life really only over the last few years, you know, like during my forties where I'm, I'm doing it for different reasons. I'm really doing it for me as opposed to, you know, proving to other people my self-worth. And I think that's because I've done a lot of internal work on, you know, who I believe I am, you know, working on bringing actual value into my life. You know, I, I didn't get the opportunity to read your entire book, Connecting <laughs> to Goodness, but I did read the first third of your book. And there were some concepts in there that I related to greatly. You know, is that sometimes when you get your first taste of big success, um, you forget about staying humble. You, you forget about staying in gratitude. Um, and, you know, your, your ego sort of takes over and, it is a lot about how other people perceive you and how many cars you have in your driveway and how many pieces of real estate you own and you know what's the next big project that you're doing and uh that can take you down pretty fast it sounds like it took you down pretty fast it certainly took me down oh it did um so i learned a lot from that a lot of humility um a lot of gratitude i mean sometimes you got to burn it all down and sort of strip yourself down to the base level of really who you are in order to then, you know, build yourself back up again. And I think that's honestly what I've been doing really, you know, probably since 40 years old. I've been kind of like all the ideas that I had of who I was or, or what I've achieved, I've sort of tossed those aside and, you know, delved into a lot more 
meditation like you talk about you know in your book and sort of like you know rediscovering who i am who i want to be you know what my what my true potential is who i am authentically i mean authenticity is a big deal for me right now at 45 years old i mean i i want to i want to walk through this life being as true to myself as i possibly can be and as good to others as i possibly can be you're speaking my language, uh, especially now. Most people, uh, Wayne Dyer, Dr. Wayne Dyer, was a mentor of mine, and you know we talk about personal development, doing the work, looking introspectively at who we are, knowing our essence, our authenticity. Uh, he did a movie; it's on YouTube, uh, and it needed you to act in it. It's really slow, <laughs> but it's, it, it actually resonated with me, even though the acting and the production is really poor. It really resonated with me because it talks about a quantum shift. And men, in the movie it says, go through their quantum shift from 38 to 42, women 28 to 32, which probably shows their superiority of their enlightenment at least. Uh, but moreover, um, in this shift, we talk about all of this personal work, personal development, uh, development, and I find that sometimes it's not what we say, it's what people hear, and we really have to meet people where they're at. And a lot of the interviews I do with the biggest thought leaders and all these amazing people like you, I've skipped this question, but I think you may be best capable of describing it. You know, when we talk about this inner work and we talk about woo-woo stuff or, or meditation, what does that actually mean to you? Are there like, you know, therapists or, you know, are there certain thought leaders or, or retreats or ayahuasca like you know it's so interesting to take someone that's too hyper successful and on a journey of enlightenment you know the Tao means the way and in fact wayne dyer means light the, the way uh for you what is the way to this personal work that so many people are confused when you're like well you know i've done the work what does that actually mean <laughs> well let me just start <laughs> off by saying i am by no means a thought leader um, <laughs> but i do like the idea of you know, bringing these types of concepts to the masses. to the younger generation or yeah, or to, to the masses, certainly, uh, but pe to people who, you know, aren't familiar with them. Um, I think everyone has such an insane technology phone addiction these days that I think they're they're really out of touch um, with the spiritual realm and completely lost and I can say that and speak to that because I've been completely lost, you know, at the point where I had the most money in the bank, you know, the most material possessions, the sexiest, most beautiful girlfriend. I lived in a penthouse high rise in Miami. That was probably the point, you know, at 40 years old that I was most miserable. Empty. Yeah. Completely miserable, empty, lost. I had no sense of self. I had no real value in my life. Um, I was partying. I was gambling. It was all about pomp and circumstance and, you know, a, a, a facade, a facade of success and confidence. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sober, um, but I feel like years of drug and alcohol abuse, um, you know, even once you get sober and even have maybe some significant time under your belt, the, the, the damaging effects of that reverberate throughout your life, you know? So I think it really, 
you know, now, now this brings me back to your question about doing the work. This, this is where the work comes in. Yeah. You know, it's, it's unlearning patterns of thought that you've been addicted to for years, maybe even your entire life. Or lifetimes. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's just, or, or lifetimes. Now you're really, now you're really blowing people's game, minds. Right. Energetic and genetic <laughs> inheritance. Yeah, yeah. 100, 100%. You know, and I feel like I've had inner negative mantras running through my head since, you know, adolescence. Since this time I, I told you, you know, that I was bullied as a child, you know, and, you know, like had, had a lot of, you know, self-esteem and like identity issues. Um, I feel like I, I carried that with me into adulthood because I never really faced it. I never really addressed it. I never healed those traumas. Um, yeah. And, and hitting rock bottom as an adult male, you know, and, and, and all the kind of embarrassment and shame that sort of comes with that, you know, because you're, you think you're supposed to have your life together at that point. I mean, I'm supposed to be like married and, and, and have a couple kids and have a very stable home life and, you know, uh, thinking about saving for my retirement. And, and I, I, at 40 years old, I was, I was like, I was a 40, I was, I was a 15 year old in a 40 year old's body. I mean, I was so immature, yeah. you know, and you talk about having this enlightenment or quantum experience between the ages of 38 to 42. That's that's about right. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and it feels uh, feels awfully late to be having, you know, that kind of experience. Imagine it always does. And I want to talk about shame. Um, I always was born into this incredible mom with incredible siblings and the natural uh, capability of dealing with things for human nature is blame, shame and justification. I, and my mom called it below the line living. Mm. And she would always say, don't go below the line with me. You're accountable for everything in your life. You got to ask yourself, what am I supposed to learn from it? Until you take accountability, you won't learn. And life's about wisdom and faith to shorten the distance between the good behaviors and the results that you want in your life. It's that distance of resistance that wisdom and faith will get you to. And I'm like, I don't even believe in God, mom. And she said, oh, you do just the wrong God. And it took me till 38. I was an early bloomer when the shift, uh, but I lost everything, uh, as you know. I still spend minutes and moments in shame. I think about, you know, as far back as, you know, one of the most traumatic experiences of my life is, I grew up with a mom that raised six kids. We barely had enough to eat. And when I was seven years old, I stole a $20 bill out of my mom's wallet. Within two hours, I had to go to the grocery store with my mom. And I didn't say a word until she got to the cash register and didn't have enough money for food and then broke down crying. Now, you can see it's still traumatic to yeah. me. And I don't talk about the failure of losing. Like, those are the things to me that I still have shame for. Right. And I know that person's still who I am. I know I inherited it genetically and energetically because it was there at seven. Right. It wasn't like, you know, a whole bunch of shit made me steal from my own mom so she couldn't buy me food. Mm -hmm. Uh, for you, if you were abusing drugs and alcohol like I was, if you were surrounding yourself with the wrong people and the wrong ideas, and you were blessed to have abundance in your life and wasted away on trivial, meaningless, empty things in a glamorized stuck, how do you deal with the trauma of the shame 
for whatever activities it was that led you down that path? Well, Alcoholics Anonymous has been really helpful in that. The 12 steps. You know, yeah, the 12 yeah. steps. You know, um, step four and five in particular. I won't go into great detail about how those are executed, but um, it's basically just what about... What are step four and five so people that don't know? You're ju just about listing, um, you know, your, your resentments, mm -hmm. um, how uh, you were wrong in specific situations, you know, um, and, then, and then making a step five, making amends to the person or institution or whatever it may be oh god yeah that <laughs> that uh that, that you have to make amends to you know cleaning up your side of the street yeah accountability yeah um so i think accountability step one you know but it it, it takes time it, it it takes time for for you to really forgive yourself um and i i think a meditation practice is helpful in that regard um as well because uh you know it allows you to, to let go, let go of old ideas about yourself, let go of the past, you know, let go of old traumas. Um, because we, we can't let our past define our present, which ultimately will define our futures, you know? So, uh, so this is the work. You know, yeah. I mean, you, you ask me about, hey, you know, people say I, I, I did the work. Well, th th this is the work, you know, and it's uh, it's kind of just like it's like going to the gym. It is exactly you know? like going it's to the like gym. going to the gym. I mean, you know, meditation, breath work. I mean, uh, you know, setting it, setting aside the time, 45 minutes, an hour a day to to to, to meditate or to, you know, to work a, a program of some kind. I mean, it takes it takes discipline. But the, the benefits are phenomenal. Exponential. Yeah. Yeah. Last question. Um, people ask me, how the hell did I screw up that bad? And I said, it started with surrounding myself with the wrong people and the wrong ideas. How much does that hold true in your life? How aware are you of the people and ideas that you surround yourself with today? I don't blame anyone but myself for my shortcomings. Um, I'm pretty hard on myself. I try to beat myself up a little less these days. <laughs> uh, but I think it has to do with ideas, the ideas that you have about yourself and really the thoughts that you have. You know, you really need to control your thinking. That's step one. I love it. Yeah. You got to think it to believe it, feel it, inspire our actions with it. And Jesse Metcalf, uh, you are on the path of greatness i know abundance i know the infinite system the unified system that we live in and the more you give the more you'll be given and now you have the ability to be aware that all that you've been given and the worthiness to receive it uh and i am blessed to have somehow attracted you and our dear friend darren prince into my life and anything i can do will be of service or value to you so that you can continue to empower others please let me know we are blessed to have the incredible Jesse Metcalf here at the incredible SoFi Stadium in an incredible podcast here on The Playbook.